Chris Kelsey here with Matt Howell. On this episode of the first round, Matt and I booked a cruise with the rich and the decadent to visit the scenic triangle of sadness filled with Russian oligarchs, weapons manufacturers, and possibly worst of all, social media influencers. It's Matt, is the trip going to be worth the two and a half hour experience? Then as a treat, but only as a treat, it's Werewolf by Night. Disney Plus's Halloween special is a throwback to the classic Universal monster movies. But is it more of a trick? The Werewolf Marathon wraps up, of course, with Joe Dante's 80s cult classic, The Howling. Dee Wallace goes on a retreat, Matt, after experiencing severe workplace trauma to find that it hides a terrible secret. Then there's a scintillating review of the big releases on physical media, featuring your streaming and straight-to-DVD picks of the week. And then finally, Matt and I will close out the show by handing out some gold. It is our Werewolf Marathon Awards, or, or as some people say. Werewolf? So let's go ahead and uh, jump into things with a clip from Triangle of Sadness. I have one joke. Eh? Do you know how to tell a communist? Mm. It's someone who reads Marx and Lenin. And do you know how to tell an anti-communist? Mm-mm. It's someone who understands Marx and Lenin. <laughs> it's Ronald Reagan, <laughs> funny guy. Uh, never argue with an idiot. They'll only bring you down to their level and beat you with experience. Mark Twain. Oh, okay. Ronald Reagan, he said also, socialism works only in heaven where they don't need it and in hell where they already have it. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's, that's pretty uh, good, yeah. yeah. Okay, hold on, got one here. Oh, 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 no, I have one. Growth, for the sake of growth, is the ideology of a cancer son. That's Edward Abbey. Listen, the problem with socialism is that you eventually run out of other people's money. Ah. Margaret Thatcher. Ah, you're gonna like this one. The last capitalist we hang will be the one who sold us the rope, Karl Marx. Oh. Oh, indeed, Matt. Triangle of Sadness. The latest... Not the first, the latest Palme d'Or winner for director Ruben Ustlon, mm-hmm. who had previously uh, won for, was it Force Majeure? Was it Force Majeure he won it for? Or was uh, it The Square? I, maybe. I don't know. I like how I knew he won the uh, Palme d'Or, but now I'm blanking on exactly which film it was for. I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah, it was The Square, 2017. Okay. And Force Majeure, actually, a uh, big hit. Had a remake here in the States with, I think, Will Ferrell and Julie Louis-Dreyfus, which I ha- have not seen. Yeah, same. So, anyway, he returns this time with what, Matt? What is Trial of Sadness all about? So, a pair of models-slash-social-media influencers get invited to go on an exclusive yacht trip in an effort to bring some... Social cachet, the, the youth, uh, to the uh, rental of the uh, yacht, um, but it sinks, and a bunch of the rich assholes that are on the yacht, they get on a lifeboat, they head to uh, an island, and you know things work out differently because what are you? What value are you if all you are is pretty in pictures? There you are. Basically, it's like Lord of the Flies for the Kardashians mm-hmm. type of a thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. <laughs> But, yeah, so, Matt, I think we both enjoy the occasional black comedy around these parts. Is that a fair statement? I'd say that's true, yeah. 
So what are your thoughts on Usland's film, Triangle of Sadness, a black comedy about dealing with, I don't know what, capitalism, artifice, fashion, greed? What are your thoughts on the uh, big Palme d'Or winner? This is a very classic, very French. I don't even know if this guy's French, but I saw the original, the original poster and it's in French. So I'm just choosing to believe that it's in French, that this is a French film because it seems... Oh, it's Swedish. It's very European. It's almost genteel and ludicrous in its presentation of its satire. And it's just, it walks right up to the edge of being heavy-handed, but it never ever, at least for me, quite crosses it. And there are some things that are laugh-out-loud, like sophomoric scatological humor in this, and coupled with these kind of heavy-handed highbrow look at me how smart i am mom kind of diatribes some of which we just heard um but mm-hmm. uh i think ultimately i think it it kind of somehow manages to work despite all my better judgment and reservations and it's two and a half hour running time which i'm sure you are not too i was with. super excited about that yes because <laughs> so, more is yeah. more when it comes to movies in my opinion that's right <laughs> So as I said, it's his English language debut. Uh, he assembles a, an interesting cast. Uh, Harris Dickinson, who we, I think we previously saw in 1917. Mm-hmm. He was the soldier who had to do the run there. Yep. And then what I didn't realize is Charlie Dean, who plays Yaya, she actually passed away. Yeah, a couple months ago. I just learned that as well. And that is terribly sad because I think she is quite good. I think both of them are um, really interesting and fascinating characters to watch as they kind of maneuver through their lives as models, as, as influencers and just how, I don't know, Matt, I think he does a great job of illustrating just how sad all of that is, even though they're relatively rich and they Mm -hmm. are certainly famous Mm -hmm. that their lives inevitably are empty and hollow, much like most of the people who are on this cruise. And I found it to be a long, and dense experience. And I think that this is a movie for a particular audience. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you're a casual moviegoer who's excited about Wakanda forever. Now, not to cast aspersions, but if you're going to be on board for this two and a half hour critique of what capitalism and greed and artifice, as I said, and all this stuff. And I think part of the issue I have with the film, though, I think I enjoyed it. I think there are parts of it that are really interesting. And I think the ending is perfect. I think it was a pitch perfect ending and I wouldn't change a damn thing about it. I think it it wraps everything up and is beautifully done. Uh, what I, I worry, not worry, but I think one issue I have with it is it the knife it takes to these subjects, I think, is rather dull at times. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's as cutting as and as sharp as it should be. I think it's at once overly disgusting in its portrayal of these air quotes people. Never mind the fact that we have exploding toilets of poo. <laughs> but I think there's, even with all of that, there is, I think, an earnest undercurrent that are focusing on exposing life's inequalities. Even the crew that have to deal with all these people and the inevitable outcome, I think, of why things go wrong, why, why what happens happens. Mm is rooted and traced back to these people's overwhelming sense of entitlement. Um, yeah. Entitlement. That's exactly it. And I don't know. There was some things in this film, as you said, I found hilarious. 
I never found it particularly thought provoking. Mm. Now, maybe it's because I kind of swim in this ocean outside of work. Yeah. And outside of the show. Yeah. This is something that kind of interests me. So I'm kind of aware of this stuff. But I still, I don't know. I, I, I struggle with it generally, though I think I mostly enjoyed it. I, I had issues. There were some moments that were truly upsetting for me, including the 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 overflowing S that we see quite a few times in the film. And then the the death of the donkey and how that one super rich guy, mm-hmm. I guess, are tried to kill it for food. And he gives it that death blow, but it doesn't take. Sure. So he has to come by and do it again and again. Mm-hmm. And he is being, you know, consoled by the rest of the survivors. And Matt, I was like really upset about that. It's funny. I was like deeply upset about it. Mm-hmm. And then I remembered, oh, wait. He established that there was a baby on this boat <laughs> that did not make it ashore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I haven't given that kid a second thought. Right. Yes. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, there are a lot. I think the majority, the majority of the people on that boat do not make it. Spoilers. No. Right. So, I don't know. I just, it's not terribly laugh out loud funny. I right. think it is on a couple occasions, but it's not a comp- comedic tour de force. I'm just giving you a heads up on that. Um, and other times though, I was like, I was upset, disgusted. And other times I'm like, good. That's right. You capitalist motherfucking pigs. <laughs> you, you get what you deserve. <laughs> but there are innocents that suffer as well, which I guess yeah. is always the case. So exactly. I don't know, Matt. What, what, go ahead. What are you saying? What are you yeah. I mean, maybe the, the fact that this thing has all of the kind of finesse of a hammer, um, that's, Maybe that in and of itself is a critique of the fact that, you know, if this thing is too subtle, it's going to kind of go over maybe the intended audience's head. Because like you said, we, I think, collectively swim in a certain set of lanes. You know, we are probably the pseudo intellectual uh, think we're elite kind of thing going on. Um, Whereas he is, you know. Maybe an artistic uh, elite who's sniffing his own farts as well. I mean, I don't really know much about this guy, but I mean, I guess giving it the benefit of the doubt, you know, maybe that's why. But at the same time, who the hell's going to go see a, you know, two and a half hour long palm to or, you know, except for people like us. There you go. I know when I when I saw that at one, and I definitely wanted to check it out because I am that kind of a snob. I know exactly. This I had never heard of this, and. When I learned that it won the Paul Noir, I'm like, oh, that's why we're watching this. Okay, cool. That's why yeah. I just put this on the list. <laughs> <laughs> I am just that perfect balance of hack and snob. It's <laughs> right. You do walk you do walk that line beautifully. It's chef's kiss. It's fantastic, Chris. And I also the other night I watched Friday the thirteenth, the new blood. The new blood. Of course you so. did, yeah. And we're gonna talk about a Joe Dante film later. <laughs> so yeah, no, interesting. I think Woody Harrelson, who is not in it that long, yeah. is a fun character. You heard him in that clip. But um, I don't know what else really to say about him. It's just, if you like your criticism, not, I don't know. Nuanced? Not so subtle. subtle. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, when you literally have shit bubbling up through the system into the yacht and stuff, you know, yeah. these people drowning and stuff. Yeah, I think that's... Uh, yeah. So, Triangle Sadness, Matt, Matt, the Palme d'Or winner, I'm sitting at a B- minus right now. Yeah. I guess maybe I'm just a bigger fan of, of scatological humor, and I'm not so worried about a fictional donkey killing so much, so I'm going to give it a B. <laughs> Fair enough. 
I think that's 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 fine. I could see you giving a B on this. I I will accept that. Thank you. I appreciate that, Chris. So so good to me. I do what I can. <laughs> so uh, Triangle Sadness is currently in theaters now. You could check it out. If you've got a chance to see it, shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. It is too, man. It's a shame about Dean. Like I said, I think she was one of the more interesting characters in this yeah. film. And Dickinson, even the way it opens up, how it focuses on kind of their relationship. So we get that firm establishment of who they are as a couple and everything. And I'm trying to think who I like the most. I don't know if it was the, probably the weapons manufacturing family. Hmm. And yeah. um, their ultimate conclusion Fate. of their arc, I yeah. rather enjoyed as well. <laughs> but uh, yeah, interesting stuff, folks. We'd love to hear from you. All right, Matt. Time for a little treat or time for a little trick. We are going to spend a few minutes and talk about Werewolf by Night. If you know what that clip's from that I'm playing, Werewolf, good on you. Kudos to you. So uh, let's hear a little bit of that uh, fun action. It's a beauty, isn't it? 57 confirmed kills myself. <laughs> Next year's my 30th season. I can almost smell the blood in your hands. <laughs> Thank you. I, uh, I like your whole look there with the makeup. It's a killer trademark. Yeah. It's to honor my ancestors. Oh, I uh, know much for honoring ancestors and feelings and all that. I just know it looks brilliant on you. I mean... I understand the importance of anonymity in our line of work, but it gets lonely. Just want to say I'm proud to be honoring old Ulysses with you here tonight. Oh, Ulysses, of course. Hard to believe he's gone. Aye, the mad bastard. <laughs> Quite a place he built for himself here, eh? So, any of these Hackett beasties your handiwork? No. No, but, uh, but him, him I fought a few times. Hmm. He's never looked so alive. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to try. Does every clip end with a laugh this week? I'm not quite sure. So uh, next up, Matt, as we talk about Werewolf by Night. Um, <laughs> Gail Garcia Bernal plays Jack Russell. He has been invited to this wake of a sorts for this legendary monster hunter, Ulysses Bloodstone, who has passed all these monster hunters there. And I guess Ulysses was the owner of the titular Bloodstone Mm -hmm. and which grants what powers like healing or longevity or some other stuff. Sure. The ability to expose monsters, some force powers, lots of crazy stuff. Yeah. So what's happened is all these people that are here, are going to then hunt a monster in a maze, mm-hmm. a labyrinth, if you will. And whoever destroys the monster will inherit the bloodstone and become now like the master monster hunter. Mm-hmm. Jack Russell is one of those people, but Matt, he may be there for other reasons. Maybe. So, Matt, we have... Oh, I almost said it. Werewolf? By Night from <laughs> Disney Plus, which is a bonus little streaming special to get into the holiday spirit this year. I'm not sure if this is going to be an annual occurrence or not. I have not dug enough into research into that. And I'm not sure if I care. Yeah. Either way. Mm-hmm. So we'll have to see. Gail Garcia Bernal plays Jack Russell, which is always fun to see. And the other interesting too, Matt, this is directed 
by Michael Giacchino, who oh. is the uh, famous film composer. Most recently, I think, did The Batman. Oh. So this is his first directorial effort. And I think one of the more interesting things, Matt, is it looks aesthetically kind of like those old school universal horror films. They right. bled out uh, all the color, except for the bloodstone, and then maybe some stuff at the end. Right. What are your thoughts on... Werewolf? By night. <laughs> is it a trick or is it a treat? It doesn't kind of rise to or descend, I should say, to a trick level. I think mm-hmm. it's a treat, but it's like, it's not, it's not a Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. It's more of like a popcorn ball kind of thing when you go out trick-or-treating, that kind of thing. I give them credit for trying something a little different. You know, I know we've lamented, or half of us have lamented the MCU's kind of uh, steady uh, kind of sameness across. We'll say consistency. Well, sure. We'll say that. (laughs) Um, And, you know, I, I think it has some good parts. I don't think it's altogether successful, weirdly. I feel like it should have been a. It could have maybe benefited from being a little bit longer, maybe. That's a bold statement. It is. I, I think it feels like it needs a little more foundation to it, right? Than just kind of being dropped into the middle of this thing. There are some scenes in this that I really like. There are, you know, some characters I had a lot of fun seeing. I, I thought it was very fun to see. Spoiler: the man thing kind of run throughout of it. Um, <sighs> Ruining it for everybody. Please, I already brought it up when I talked about it like uh, two weeks ago. Fair. I applaud the effort. I don't think it's 100% successful. I think it leaves a lot to be desired. But it's kind of just a little, you know, like I said, they gave you some uh, gave you some popcorn balls and said, here you go. Be on your way, kid. I like that. I think that's an accurate description. I appreciate the aesthetic choices that Gigi decides to go with. But in the end, the whole thing felt artificial to me. And then those aesthetic differences end up being just purely aesthetics. Mm-hmm. I think the rest of the special plays out like your typical MCU fair. Is it gorier than most entries? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. But it's muted by the fact that it's black and white. I still enjoyed it. I think it's a fun little streamer. It comes mm-hmm. in under a buck, right? It's about 53 minutes long. Right. And it's mostly harmless. I think the problem I have with it, like I said, is that Gigi, you know, it's going for a particular thing, but he is once again handcuffed by the MCU studio system. And everybody kind of talks kind of cool and hip and has some one-liners and everything. And uh, it's okay. It's, it's weird. I enjoyed watching it. I applauded the director's effort to uh, try and do something a little different, but he's still boxed in a bit, unfortunately. So I don't know. I don't know. I just wasn't just, I wasn't especially enamored with it. I just thought it was fine. I ended up uh, giving this special. I will not play that clip again, Matt. I will not torture you anymore. Uh, I ended up giving it a C plus. I like Gail Garcia Bernal. As I say, every time I see Gail Garcia Bernal in a film. Overall, yeah, it's, it's, it's like you say, it's the popcorn ball. What did you give it? Yeah, I'm going to give it a C plus as well. I... Yeah, I think they basically, I don't know if it's MCU sanitized, but this really smacks of being Disney sanitized. I think they really, you know, they're putting it on Disney Plus. They want to keep it kind of available to the kiddies, not too scary, not too gory. So I think they played it really, really safe to, you know, its detriment. There is some good old school scary Disney stuff, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, what was it? Something Wicked This Way Comes. That's a pretty scary movie. 
Yeah. Uh, maybe I'm just being nostalgic for when I was as a kid and I hadn't seen that thing in 20, 30 years. So who knows? But yeah, we think it would have worked better if this was more of a, uh, what, a, a, a Fox production or something. Yeah. If they more... had dropped it on Hulu, something, maybe just something with a little more menace to it, a little more edge. I think it's very sanitized here. I think it's, it's such a throwback to the old universal monster movies that it's almost hokey. Yeah. I guess, but even that, I don't know if I feel that way. Because again, all the stuff that is the throwback stuff for me is just, it's just aesthetics. And it's not, I feel like too, they just put up like a, like a black and white fil- Instagram filter on this yeah, thing they did. too. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's, it has a certain lack of authenticity, which I know is a crazy thing to say about um, <laughs> this kind of Disney special. If you're talking about, you know, oh, you're telling me the werewolf by night thing is, is uh, inauthentic. I don't. Yeah. All right, Chris. Time to get off your high high chair. Anyway, currently streaming on Disney Plus. I'm just banging <laughs> stuff now. C plus across the board for the animal by night. I just don't feel like reaching out to my soundboard. That's too far. Yeah, you've done Matt, too much. Do you know what that clip is from? Uh, I'm drawing a blank here. I'm afraid to say that I don't know. I'll probably kick myself once you say it. It's the uh, later seasons, but it's Mystery Science Theater. Um, with werewolf oh okay and that's the young woman who stars in it uh, that's how she pronounces it oh okay i you know what i've never seen that episode so there oh that's so, a good yeah. one that is oh, a okay. great later day bill corbett crow uh okay. on this t3k episode there's one scene where the woman is playing pool with a guy too and she he's like oh you're a hustler no i was in hustler <laughs> and there's lots of weird kind of... There's also this famous line from that, too. This is absolutely fascinating. So, uh, yeah, it's, I'll be working on that one at some point. So, I love Werewolf. It's such a weird episode. All right. Good times. All right, Matt, let's keep rolling and talk about what's coming up in physical media this upcoming Tuesday, November 8th. Matt, one of, I think, the best single-take dialogue deliveries I think we've seen in a few years... So enjoy a very short snippet of it. I hate you so much for leaving me here. Sometimes I hope you die. I'm sorry. Awful love living in that, but it's the truth. I was curious about other men. I'm sure you don't want to hear about a stranger satisfying your wife, and I swear it was only once. It was a mistake. It wasn't him that I wanted, I know that now. I wish things could just go back to the way they were before, but I don't see how they could. Not after the things I've done. Oh boy, I wonder what she's done. That is Mia Goth as Pearl in Ty West's Pearl, the prequel to his film X. I still think Pearl was a much more successful experience than X was. Mm. And I am excited for this to be coming out, though I think it's hovering around $25, $30 on Blu-ray. I will not be pulling the trigger at that price. And I'm still holding out, as we've talked before, Matt, possibly about a 4K release Mm. of uh, both those films, really. Or maybe I'll break down like in four or five years when they're like a two-pack for 10 bucks on iTunes or something. I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, Pearl's getting released, includes a feature called Time After Time, as well as another one called Coming Out of Her Shell, The Creation of Pearl. Walmart has its own individual uh, slipcase as well, but 
Were you as impressed as I was about Mia Goss take there when she's I mean, that thing's like nine minutes long, that scene actually. And it's just Ty West holding the camera on her and she starts talking about what she's done, confessing yeah. to her sister in law. Yeah. And things take a turn. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was probably the best acting performance in both movies. Oh, yeah, hands down. Uh, Patton Oswalt, Matt, returns in I Love My Dad by Magnolia Films. A hopelessly estranged father catfishes his son in an attempt to reconnect. Aqua Teen Forever. Were you an Aqua Teen Hunger Force watcher? I was for a little while. I was never really into uh, Aqua Teen Hunger Force. My favorite show of that era was C-Lab 2021, which is a fantastic show, if you have not watched I it. I like that one a lot, too. That yeah. was a forerunner, too, to like Archer and stuff, right? It was all mm-hmm. those same people, wasn't it? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, I would watch Aqua Teen. This is back into my single days when I was so very, very alone. I'd be up super late coming home, you know. Probably had a few too many pops, had some Taco Bell and Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Well. Sure. And I'd watch it till I fell asleep. Well, they have a new movie. Baba. I like to say they have a new movie coming out called Aqua Teen Forever Plantasm. You can get a 4K or a Blu-ray on that. When President Frylock, he's been promoted to president, gets kidnapped and taken to Alcatraz by the cultists of reincarnated AI of Al Capone, only Aqua Teens can come together with Colosso Zeus to defeat the she-devils of Monterey Bay and save the universe from the great flattening. Include some deleted scenes, audio commentary, an alternate cut, and more. Antonio Banderas and Kate Bosworth star in The Enforcer. I guess this is Antonio's Liam Neeson taken turn. Mm-hmm. An enforcer has to sacrifice everything to save a young girl. He has befriended from his femme fatale boss who is involved in a cyber sex trafficking scheme. You know what I watched the other day? What I had on the background while I was doing stuff? And I've always been a fan of it, Matt. And now I watched it again. And I'm like, it's weird because I liked it when it first came out. And then I realized it wasn't that good, but I still enjoyed it. And I've kind of hung with that for a while. But now watching it again, I'm like, oh, this is horrible. Mm. And that's the Stallone version of Get Carter. Mm-hmm. I remember and I, extolling its virtues, its dubious yeah. virtues. Yeah, and now I'm like, no, this is bad. This is bad. <laughs> you finally caught up with the rest of us, huh? Yeah, it only took, what, 15 years? Mm-hmm. And now I'm, I'm finally like, oh, wait a minute, Chris. The stuff that you enjoyed about this is not really there. It's not good. And it made me sad. Tom Strange stars in Dig, a widowed father and his daughter whose houses up for demolition are taken hostage by a dangerous couple who won't stop until they retrieve what lies beneath the property. Could it be a... Werewolf? Incredible but true was a French film. <laughs> Elaine and Marie move to the suburb house of their dreams, Matt. But the real estate agent warned them what's in the basement may change their lives forever. IFC is releasing She Will, featuring Malcolm McDowell, Alice Krieg, and Rupert Everett, but an aging film star who retreats to the Scottish countryside with her nurse to recover from her surgery. Well, there are mysterious forces of revenge emerge from the land where witches were burned. I can't tell you, though, if there will be any... Werewolves? There. <laughs> Rada Mitchell stars in Devil's Workshop. A struggling actor spends a weekend with a female demonologist to prepare for an audition. I also watched in the last two weeks The Exorcist. Oh. But I watched the director's cut. Yeah. Which I like because of the spider crab, the spider walk thing, whatever yeah. it's called. Yeah, yeah, That movie's good. I'm yeah, it's it. really good. It's very, very good. Good, good, good. Yeah. You know, I've that been watching... Uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, that's it. No, oh, that was it? Just That was your non-sequitur? Well, well I'm saying they, they announced that there's a, a, a 4K coming out next year. Oh. So. I'll probably have to buy that. I don't think four- I have it on Blu-ray. 
Oh, no? Oh, yeah, you know, I, yeah, I do. But it's supposed to be, a, then they're going to do next year at some point, they're releasing it in the theaters, the, the 4K restoration in theaters. So. Oh, wow. So it's what were you spooky. watching? I've been watching Mike Flanagan movies. I watched uh, I watched uh, uh, Oculus and Ouija Origin of Evil. And those are still as good as I remember. Nice. Yeah, I still have yet to watch any of his shows on Netflix. I've been, yeah. I have like Midnight Mass queued up and I haven't gotten to it yet because I'm too busy watching Get Carter. <laughs> and being astounded, blown away how it's not as good as you recall. As I can, I was, I confess that I was pulling the Blu-ray DVD list together while I had it on and doing dishes. Gotcha. So maybe Makes if I really sense. sat and focused and rewatched it again, maybe it'll come back to me. Sure. Yeah, that's it. That's what you should do. You should watch it again just to make sure it's as, <laughs> not as it's as bad as you think it is. MVD is releasing 1988's Earth Girls Are Easy, featuring Jeannie Davis and Goldblum. Includes an audio commentary with actress and co-writer Julia Brown. Oh, you remember Julia Brown? I do. Yeah. Not to be confused with downtown Julia Brown. No, different different, uh, Julia Brown. Includes some vintage featurettes, as well as some new interviews, as well as some deleted scenes and outtakes. Scorpion is releasing L.A. Bounty, featuring Sybil Danning. She's a tough female ex-cop turned bounty hunter who goes after a gang of a crazed killer who murdered her partner. Arrow's putting out the uh, horror film Audrey Rose, the brand new 2K restoration on that one. Scorpion is putting out The Peace Killers, includes the audio commentary and interviews. They're also putting out A Small Town in Texas in The Cycle Savages, featuring Bruce Dern. Kino Lorber is putting out Fancy Pants, which is a film featuring Bob Hope and Lucille Ball. And then some 4K releases, Matt. Mickey Splain's I, the Jury is being released by Classic Flicks. Brand new 4K restoration of that one, audio commentary as well, and more. Arrow is putting out a pretty nifty 4K set of The Wolf of Wall Street. It's a Scorsese's movie with Leo. The, the case of it, like, it opens up to look like a wallet with, like, some, like, credit cards and other props mm-hmm. inside of it. I don't own Wolf of Wall Street in any capacity, so, and I'm thinking about it because even though I think it's a UK release, remember, kids, UHD 4K discs are region-free. Criterion is putting out in 4K, which I will be picking up at the next sale, is The Power of the Dog, Jim Campion's film, my favorite film uh, from last year. There is a separate Blu-ray release as well, but this is a Dolby Vision uh, HDR presentation as long as a Dolby Atmos audio track. The 4K Master was approved by Campion. Includes an interview with her, some behind-the-scenes interviews, and more. Uh, if I remember correctly, you are not as enamored with the power of the dog as I was. Is that not I wasn't. I, I wasn't as enamored with it, no. Fair. And uh, also coming out in 4K, Matt, Saturday Night Fever, the Travolta classic, is getting its UHD release. The Clint Eastwood film, Escape from Alcatraz, Eminem's star turn in 8 Mile. And then finally, a movie I will be buying for the... Let me see, VHS... DVD, Blu-ray. This will be the fourth time mm-hmm. getting its 4K release. Casablanca. Oh, I, I would expect nothing less, Chris. Yeah, no, I have. It's, it's Casablanca. It's my favorite film. I need to have it in the best resolution, the best version possible. Mm. So, and if, hopefully, it has a digital copy too, so I can watch it on the run. I'm out on my bike. I can listen to Casablanca. I'm traveling. I can watch it, whatever the case may be. Matt, you're straight to the DVD pick of the week. I'm going to go with the most dangerous game. No, not that one. No, not that other one. 
No, not that one. This one is a new version featuring Casper Van Dien, Tom Berenger, Bruce Stern, and Judd Nelson. A father and son are washed ashore after their steamership explodes. The men find refuge on a mysterious island where their nefarious host reveals to them that the island is his game preserve where human beings serve as the ultimate hunt. Mm. You may be familiar with the most dangerous game. Yeah, I, I may have heard of it once or twice. I believe there's an all-time classic starring Ice-T as the, the most dangerous game. I believe. That's right. <laughs> yes, there is. <laughs> what should we be streaming this week besides... Uh, what was Ice-T's version called? It wasn't called the most dangerous game. For some reason, I want to call it Hard Target, but that's the Van Damme movie, and that's completely wrong. Yeah. But that's what's sticking out of my head. Surviving the game. Surviving the game. Very good. All right, so I finally caught up with the first three episodes of Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities, the new horror anthology series on Netflix. And you know what? I'm having fun with it so far. Now, it is, uh, like all anthology series, it's been a bit of a mis- mixed bag. Um, they aren't all, like, home runs out of the park. But, so mm-hmm. far at least, the floor has been pretty high. Uh, the first one, Lot 36, I think is really good and tense until maybe the very, very end. Uh, the second one, I didn't super care for, but a lot of people do. The Graveyard Rats has some really cool practical effects in it. And then the third one, The Autopsy, I enjoyed quite a bit because it is pretty gross with this cosmic horror i'm assuming that's the cosmatos one uh man the guy did mandy i don't know that is a great question i thanks for stumping me chris and look like i don't know his is called the viewing the viewing okay i have not seen that one yet yeah that one is uh episode seven okay so, uh, sorry about that, Matt. I didn't mean to set you up. I just like embarrassing you. No. Hey, fun Get Carter tie-in. John C. McGinley is in Surviving the Game as well. Oh, you know, that is a murderer's row of a cast right there. You know what I like, so about, I like, like, I like about Get Carter? Is um, the Moby song, Memory Gospel, was the first time I heard that. It was a B-side mm. to uh, one of his things. I think from the play album. And I really like that song, Memory Gospel. So you should check that out. Well, maybe Memory Gospel is what makes you think that you like Kit Carter so much. Could be. Man, when Stallone says that, what's he say? My name is my name is Carter, and you don't want to know me. There are a lot of bad line <laughs> deliveries in that movie. And you know, like he feels that it's really cool when he says it. Yeah. And then what I think is embarrassing for me, which is par for the course, is I did not see the original Hodges version with Michael Caine before seeing the Stallone one. Gotcha. And I watched it, I think, like three years later. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, this movie's awesome. Yeah. Well, I think uh, maybe that's why you think that you liked the original, because that was the first one you saw. You had nothing compared the. I'm sorry, the Stallone remake, because that's the first one you saw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, sounds good. Let's keep rolling, Matt. Um, let's spend about thirty-five minutes talking about Get Carter. <laughs> Can we, please? Have you have you was have you seen it? Was the last time you saw it? No, I, the the Stallone one. Yeah. No, I knew it was going to be bad from the word go, so I'm not going to waste my time watching it. Rona Mitra's in it. She's cool. I think Miranda Richards is Miranda Richards in there. Then, uh, I, know how you, I like how you said let's talk about Kit Carter for another 30 minutes as a joke <laughs> and you just keep talking about Mickey Rourke plays a bad guy in it 
What's weird is that Michael Caine is in it too. But spoilers, he's like the ultimate bad guy. Mm-hmm. He's the, he's the final boss mm-hmm. in that one. Yeah. Um so get Carter. <laughs> Let's listen to let's listen to the Howling, shall we? Which is a, film, a movie about werewolf. Yes. What do you see? The Howling. Somewhere in this city, in this human jungle, it begins. Just try. He's right there. What do you see? What's there, Karen? What do you see, Karen? What's there? Somewhere in these woods, in this primal, sensuous, secret place, lies an experience too terrifying for words. (laughs) And now, all anyone can do is watch and wait. Tonight I'm going to show you something. Make you believe. This is absolutely fascinating. Wow. So the howling, Matt. Joe Dante's <laughs> cult classic werewolf. You know, I didn't, I forgot. Three big werewolf movies came out in 81. We did The Wolfen, right? Yeah. Wolfen mm-hmm. was that, this one, and then... The granddaddy of them all, Landis's uh, American Werewolf in London, yeah, which we did not do because we had both seen that one. Correct, yeah. So that's why it's not part of the marathon. If that's why you're wondering, because we had seen it previously and are pretty familiar with it. Though now I'm wondering if maybe we just should have done that instead of any number of these films. I, I would probably not. I would keep Company Wolves. Yeah, but I could have jettisoned the rest of them. Because I've seen The Howling, but I haven't seen The Howling, I think, since I was a kid. Yeah, right. So, but what is The Howling, Matt, all about? Dee Wallace plays a reporter who has a run-in with a serial killer, and she suffers from, like, a PTSD-induced amnesia from the trauma. Uh, Her psychologist recommends that he... She go up to a, a retreat up on the Northern California coast that he runs called The Colony, and it turns out that doesn't they, sound ominous at all. Yeah, that, that there could be some. Uh, well, hit the button for me, Chris. There could be werewolves. Uh, yeah, there could be some werewolves up there. <laughs> this is absolutely fascinating. Yeah, that's great, Matt. That's good. I like too that. It, what did they say in the clip? That it is some kind of sexy word. I've already forgotten. God, sensual. COVID brand. I still they got said it. Sensual. sensual. Yeah. All right. Because well, they do have the uh, uh, Marsha. Right, True. the one werewolf who tries to seduce her uh is it her, her husband? Yeah. Yeah, her husband. her husband. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, can I can I get to say something? When are we gonna stop yeah. getting smash cuts in trailers and go back to the voiceover with that uh tells you how scared you should be? Because I really want those to come back. Yeah, eighties trailers were the best, man. I gotta tell you. Much like eighties horror. Mm-hmm. But yeah. No, you're right about that. I would I usually pull clips, but like I said, I've been loving revisiting all these old trailers. Mm-hmm. I have a, a clearly a nostalgia for them, Matt. I like too when they go into the hotel room when they figure out where the Eddie Quist guy, who is our possibly secret werewolf, uh, lived. Um, <laughs> and it's like it's like a young Matt Howell's bedroom where mm-hmm. he's just obsessed with werewolves. Right. Yes. <laughs> and uh, 
drawing pictures of werewolves and news anchors as you potential know? werewolves and lots of other stuff. So, all right, Matt, I, I, a film I think that is entirely salvaged by its creature design and its occasional alertness. Mm-hmm. I think outside of that, this is a very passive movie, so much so that I think that D. Wallace is a passenger in this movie where she just kind of gets shuttled from scene to scene, moment to moment Mm -hmm. for her big final reveal. And I'm still a little not sure why she is, what happens to her happens to her. Was she always part of that or was she converted because of Quist or was it her husband or it was her husband. That last kind of encounter as they're driving away is what caused it. Okay, I didn't remember it. It's it's the film, Matt. I think is unfortunately rather slight, Mm. but it's buoyed by I think it's top shelf werewolf transformation scenes. Yeah, and it's humor. That one scene alone, when that one reporter woman's going through the files and just holds up a file, and the werewolf takes it out of her hand. (laughs) That was great. I love that. Classic. Such a good scene. But I mean, that's pretty much it for me. You know, those are my concerns and my joys with the howling what about you yeah so i mean i'm actually a little surprised so this thing just kind of reeks of it it kind of does this weird pendulum swing right so like the beginning of the movie where d wallace is is uh being the investigative reporter and she's kind of hunting down the 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 serial killer you know there are some some tense moments in that right Mm -hmm. now i knew what it was going to happen but I, i think it would be pretty intense as you're kind of going through this especially as it kind of all plays out and then when they get to the colony, everything becomes so it becomes so eighties horror movie cheesy. Like it's 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 so it's so Joe Dante. Like he's trying to make you scared, yet he's also trying to make these kind of jokes and these kind of lewd locker room jokes that barely hit half the time. Yeah. Um that it just is this tonal whiplash throughout the whole thing. It is very of its time, but I agree. I mean, there are, there are the, the werewolf transformation scenes are quite effective. Um, and it really says something, Chris, that I think the howling, I think after the granddaddy of an American werewolf in London is, is, a, is widely considered, I think maybe the second best werewolf movie should, should really tell you something about the state of werewolf movies um, that exist out there. But, you know, this also has probably the only werewolf sex scene um, put the celluloid, so that there's that. That's true. Yeah, I know. That, and, uh, there's some steamy stuff there, let me tell you. And there's one, the one thing, too, you notice is that it shifts entirely to animation yes. at one point, this, too, yes. which is jarring. I mean, yeah, it, is. it is. Very jarring. But I don't know. I think there's some interesting ideas in this film. I lo- I love your point about how it starts as this kind of hard boiled New York City, you know, like uh, Sc- Scorsese and a lot more cocaine, yeah. um, you right. know, in, in the underbelly of New York City, hunting a serial killer type thing. But when it then it shifts to the colony and things get odd. But I think I enjoyed Dante's attempt to kind of interpret this werewolf colony as a cult as well. Sure. Uh, if you don't remember, a lot of times, you, a lot of you folks, maybe too young, I know Matt certainly is, but he, he's somewhat reminiscent of it. In the 80s, there was this big satanic panic that kind of gripped this country. Yeah. And uh, lots of concerns with cults. I don't even, when did the Jim Jones thing happen? That was late 70s, right? That was late 70s, yeah. So 
either way, I love that, but unfortunately, he doesn't really do anything with it, per right. se. He doesn't really dial it up at all. It's more just kind of a feel to it. And speaking of feels, it does have this kind of creep show feel to it as well as times. Because I think that's that's Dante. Yeah. Right? I mean, he did a Twilight Zone, sure. I can't remember which version he did in the He Twilight did the Zone one movie. about the, the kid. The kid with the magic powers. That was the one okay. in, his, in his, yeah. I've always felt he has a gift for maintaining the absurd in his horror films. Yeah. But balancing the tone really well. Like with mm-hmm. Gremlins, The Burbs, Matinee, right? And this, it's not, I think, as successful I think because a lot of times the material is too slight. It feels like we had like an hour's worth of material that we had to stretch out to make a feature film. Right. But still, that werewolf taking the file is like an iconic moment, I think, in cinema. I really think it's that good. Yeah, That reveal. So, I don't know. I think there's enough here as a fan of 80s horror film and more than willing to indulge in a little cheese uh, that I'm happy to give the Howling a B minus. I would like to give it a little bit of a higher score. I think if you'd asked me when I was, you know, 15 years old when I saw this first time, I probably would give it a higher score. Maybe even younger than that when I saw it. Yeah. But yeah, I think B minus is the right place for it to be. And you know what? I, I just want to say that uh, since you mentioned the Twilight Zone, I did not realize George Miller directed the the, the segment with the Gremlin and John Lithgow. My favorite segment from that movie. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't realize that was George Miller. I don't think I knew that either. It's mm-hmm. yeah, interesting. And it's got a pretty good cast. It's got Patrick McAnee, right, who plays the doctor. You have uh, Kevin McCarthy, uh, mm-hmm. Division of the Body Snatchers. Yep. I think he's, what, the producer at the yeah, TV station or yes. something? Uh, John Carradine shows up. Classic kind of <laughs> B-monster movie actor. Yep. If you watched any Mystery Science Theater, you'll see John Carradine probably in a dozen films. Yeah. And then Slim Pickens mm-hmm. as a sheriff. You yeah. know, for me, always, uh, um, of course, I'm blanking on his name <clears> now, but on uh, Dr. Strangelove when he rides the uh, bomb down. Right. But uh, I don't know. A lot of fun, interesting things in this. So, yeah, Howling B minus is across the board. Is it streaming anywhere, Matt? I don't even know. I own it on Blu ray, so that's how I watched it. Yeah, it's not. You can't even, it's even hard to rent this film. So, you know, you may be buying it or bust. Yeah, well, you know, the last few weeks, if you were interested in it, I don't know currently now, uh, you could buy this on 4K for like 13 bucks. Oh, really? Yeah, Scream Factory put it out in uh, 4K. I don't know how good the transfer is, so I, I can't attest to that. But you can get it pretty cheap, so you can pull the trigger on that if you're a big Howling fan. All right, folks, just email feedback at thefirstrun.com. Matt, let's close up shop for this week and hand out some awards focusing on our werewolf marathon. (laughs) All right. So uh, let's get into it, shall we? I haven't used that one in a while. A little transition thing. Okay. (laughs) Yes, that's the sign of the werewolf. That's just a legend, though, isn't it? Yes, but like most legends, it must have some basis in fact. It's probably an ancient explanation of the dual personality in each of us. How does it go? Even a man who is pure in heart and says his prayers by night may become a wolf when the wolf bane blooms and the autumn moon is bright. That's funny. That's the same thing the girl in the antique shop said. That I was stalking for 20 (laughs) minutes of this film. (laughs) That, of course, (laughs) is Claude Rains and Lon Chaney in The Wolfman, the uh, first film in our marathon, the big granddaddy of them all, Matt. Let's get out some awards. I like how I combined the words. Let's. 
give out and hand out into, into like a, a, a mash of un, in understandable, which doesn't make any sense either. Underst- mis- <laughs> I'm so tired and I, I don't know what my problem is. All right, Matt, what are our categories? Rescue me here. Jesus Christ. All right. So we're going to talk about best actor, best actress, best director, our favorite film and our favorite transformation slash creature design. Good times. All right, start us off, Matt. Who, who was mm-hmm. the best actor in our marathon? That's tough because uh, can't give it to anybody in Ginger Snaps. Can't give it to really to Lon Chaney Jr. because he's a creep. Um, so I guess I'm gonna go with uh, Chris Stone in The Howling as as Roy, the health club owner uh, slash uh, uh, vegan who becomes a werewolf and develops a taste for meat. That's entirely wrong, Matt. It's Albert Finney in uh, Wolfen. Clearly, the uh, I knew you were going to put yeah, that yeah. down. The, the 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 broken down cop. He's back on the job trying to solve the the mystery of these people being slaughtered, and mm-hmm. it's up to him to figure it out. He's partnered with a criminal psychologist, and they're going to get down to brass tacks, find out what's happening. Is it a wild animal, Matt? Is it a genetically engineered werewolf? Or wolf, I should say. Or is it? Mm-hmm. Could it be? Werewolf? Could it be? It could be a werewolf. I don't know. Depends on how you interpret it, I guess. But Albert Finney, I, I had sure. a lot of fun watching him doing basically his best Albert Finney. Sure. Gotcha. All right, Chris. What's uh, Who is the best actress in this marathon? Uh, Tough, yeah, right? no. It's funny. I had... it. Just I actually had an answer here but i'm gonna change my answer because i've been thinking about it while we've been recording and initially i had d wallace in the howling but the more i thought about it it's not the case you know who it is i'm giving it to granny i'm giving it to angel lansbury and company of wolves Mm -hmm. who is giving us our lessons explaining to us matt do not stray from the path do not talk to men, especially if their eyebrows meet. And Angel Lansbury, who is having a ton of fun here in Company of Wolves. So I'm going to go with her. I'm, I'm doing a Hail Mary. Yeah, so I think uh, Dee Wallace is the only one of these actresses who is naturalistic and actually talks like a real person. Um, but I, as far as the performance goes, I would agree with you. I'm going to go with Angela Lansbury as the oh-so-creepy yes. cranny um, who just kind of gives me the willies just uh, just in general. I like, too, when the, when the werewolf takes her head off and it's like porcelain and shatters when it hits the ground. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, so weird and so wonderful, Matt. All right, who is the best, uh, what do you think, best director? What do we got? Yeah, Uh, I'm going to have to go with Neil Jordan for The Company of Wolves, one that has a definitive uh, singular vision. Not to say that Joe Dante doesn't have a vision or at least a style that kind of carries through, but I think uh, Neil Jordan is overall much better and at least interesting. Yeah, no, I think there is no other choice. I think Jordan's interpretation of this gothic classic horror almost romance story that apes films or I should say honors hammer films uh from decades ago is just works brilliantly how there's this mesh mesh and mix of uh modern times and classic stuff all in this film that feels like it's from the 50s and 60s that was made in the 80s 
and is a, a wonderful success. So I'm probably spoiling myself here. Uh, Matt, what do you think we should we go with film or transformation next then? Uh, let's go with film because I feel like that's more of a yeah. layup. Or at least that comes down to really two films. Yeah, what two films is it for you? I would think it kind of comes down to either Company of Wolves or The Howling, really. Like, are you looking more for something kind of dark fairy tale, um, you know, fantastic, surreal kind of thing? Or are you looking for like your more classic, cheesy 80s horror? Yeah. Well, for me, I'm looking for your classic story. So Company of Wolves is my selection the highest grade i had and it's an a minus for that one so it was the most fun i had seen as when i was most excited and raved about right when we talked about it mm-hmm. so yeah company of wolves is my mm-hmm. favorite film of the marathon yeah i i can see you know it's it's up there i i think i i think i'm gonna go with the howling just to be we can so we can give a one two here i think uh really depending on what what your mood is and what you want to watch i don't think you're gonna ultimately have a bad time watching the howling i think you'll have fun watching it whereas maybe you appreciate the company of wolves more but the howling i think overall is more dumb that's true i would uh, agree with that then matt what is the best uh transformation or creature design we saw in this marathon yeah, I really wanted to put the 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 werewolf sex in here. That was very close. I really wanted to put that in there, but I think ultimately I went with kind of the company of wolves. There are several uh, werewolf transformations that are unlike any that I've ever seen portrayed anywhere else, and they're all different. Um, they're not consistent amongst the, themselves within the movie, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, I I think I have to agree with you. That scene that's on like the VHS cover of it. When the wolf's mouth yeah. coming out of the guy's mouth is just, it's yeah. so well done. And that transformation there is, it's really disturbing and exceptionally well done. So, yeah, I'm no matter how much I love I in howling that. with that transformation, I think that Company Wolves one is just, there's something, I don't know, even more sinister and unsettling. And maybe it's because it's set in this dreamlike place. I don't know. That adds a kind of yeah. nightmare quality to it. Yeah, but even the first uh, transformation with what Stephen Rhea, where he's like like pulling pieces of his, of his own flesh right. off to reveal yeah. the monster underneath, is is just a completely different way of doing it. That they, you know, they you have these kind of two bookends transformations, and they are completely different from each other, and they both are disturbing in their yeah, own way. Yeah, no, that's that's great, absolutely. So there you go, folks. That's the end of our werewolf marathon. I think that's the last marathon we're doing this year too, right? That's it, because it's. Is it? I think it's because we got award seasons coming up, so we just have to catch up with everything at the end of the year. Yeah, we have nothing slotted, so that was it, folks. All right. God, wow. can you okay. believe? I it feels like it was just yesterday, Matt, and we were plotting out our marathons for the year, and it's November. That's what happens. It goes by fast. Yeah. Uh, what are your favorites in our marathon? Shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun dot com and let us know, Matt. What is coming up? next week so the banshees of in insurance is is up next the colin farrell brennan gleason uh, the other neil mcdonough film yes yeah. thank you uh yes and uh decision to leave another film that i'm not even sure exactly what that is but uh i'm sure it's something chris uh, park chen whoops so oh right right yes i should have remembered because you put it on earlier when you thought it might be coming out earlier and i was like what is that and you're like oh yes 
That's a new film. <laughs> so uh, there's that. There's still a bunch of stuff too, Matt. In our TBD column, like I don't even know if we're gonna like what was it? Mm-hmm. Heroes is early this year. The Tender Bar, nope. Encounter Uprising, Operation Fortune, Ruse de Guerrero. I think it's that. That's a Statham action film that was supposed to come out like four months ago. That seems to have disappeared. Um, right. What else? I still want to see the novice. I haven't watched the Gray Man. Well, Clerks Three. We can take that off. We did that one. Hey, we and did that Blonde, one. Yeah. And uh, Pray for the Devil. I guess isn't terribly good, so that's fine. I did take the Bee Gees biopic off just for you because I didn't want to have to put you through that. And I don't know about this new Netflix version of All Quiet on the on the Western Front is supposed to be good or not. I don't know. Man, that was one of my favorite books when I was in school. Yeah. Never read it. Can't read. So, well, I'm sure. In the meantime, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. Do a search for the first run. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Eventually, you will find us. I have Mario Brothers on here, huh? Jesus. Uh, head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a review. I'm going to help other people find the show. Head on over to thefirstrun.com. You can find archives of all the old episodes. Check out the report card, which I think I'm overdue on updating. I like to give it like a three-week window or so. So you actually have to listen to the show mm-hmm. to see what letter grades we give everything. But I need to update that. Man, I have some. I have a lot, of, a lot, a lot of vacation time to take. And I have basically eight weeks to get it done. And I've already have another week, like, two weeks already in there so now i have basically what six weeks to get i don't know how much so my goal on saying that is to try and kind of wrap up and get some stuff for us and get ready for next year try and do some like okay more youtube stuff build up templates and do all this other stuff and start doing some prep time so i'll keep you in the loop obviously we'll need your help on that in the meantime i guess that's it i already gave you all the meantime stuff didn't i so why don't you go ahead and take care of yourselves a couple weeks matt We'll be doing the holiday gift guide for the movie lover in your life. And I'm going to forget <laughs> all about it. <laughs> so take care of yourselves. It will be very much. We'll see you again soon. Take care. What is this? Wow. What are you kids watching? The newsletter's turned into a werewolf. Oh boy. La mujer se cambió en un lobo. Hijo. Werewolf?